Oh my God, it's all happening because my dear sister, Lauren Taus, is on the podcast today. She is a psychedelic assisted psychotherapist. She is one of the most gifted speakers and writers I have ever met in my entire human experience. We actually met doing our yoga teacher training over a decade ago and have been sisters ever since. Uh, she, She gives us so much. In this episode, we talk about everything from psychedelic use for grownups. We talk about uh, our sisterhood. We talk about the death of our mothers. We have a lot of um, interweaving and intersecting experiences. She and I share a lot. Um, We're born one day apart, actually, five years and one day apart. Um, Just a lot of alignment. So I'm really excited for you to hear us just jam out. We talk about some inner child work. Uh, We talk about everything under the sun. If you want some serious wisdom, you're in the right place. Thank you so, so much for being present with us today. Uh, If you haven't already left a five-star review and a written review for this podcast, please do that. It would help it just get into other people's ears. This is the goal. We want more and more people to get altered. So that being said, thank you for doing that. I look forward to hearing how this episode lands. Without further ado, here's my dear sister, Lauren Taus. So hitting record, hitting record right now. So I I generally, I'm like quite prepared when it comes to podcasts about like what I'm going to kind of touch on and and whatnot, but you are family yes, and we have the tendency to like share in such a profound way that I think that we just need, and Hugo's here and he's sharing. Um, We've been, we've been not banished, but we've been moved to the upper portion of the, of my home, which, which is my boyfriend's daughter's room. Yes. Um, how old is she? She's nine. And so we're in a, we're in a nine-year-old's room, which makes me feel like we should maybe do some inner child work today. Like talk about. Sister, I love inner child work. Yeah. Talk to me. We're all little ones and the big ones, you know, with, with the adults that I support who have children I always remind them that they have another child and it's you like I am my own child like I get to mother me the way that you get to mother you and not let my little Lauren run the show in terms of what she's scared of or yeah what she you know wants or doesn't want like I get to mother her yeah so it's uh you know the parenting of of self and also of each other yes so I love you. you Guys, Lauren Taus is here today. (laughs) She's so beautiful and brilliant. Um, I remember once you said, and it was maybe after an ayahuasca experience that we shared in in Costa Rica. I'm unclear if it was then or a different time, but you said brilliantly that the the oldest parts of us are actually the youngest parts Mm -hmm. of us. And you, I think, turned me on actually to some inner child work. Like you've been doing this work for a long time. Mm -hmm. You're a psychotherapist, you are a, a psychedelic psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. Um, you've worked as a social worker, mm-hmm. you've worked in New York City, you've worked here. What? So I, I always ask this question first. There's a moment of alteration, mm-hmm. right? That happens. And by the way, the name of this podcast, Altered, was brought to you by Lauren Tells. <laughs> like she was sitting with a name for her own company and mm-hmm. she was like, I think altered would be dope. And then she ended up not using it. And I was like, dude, 
Looks can so good. can I have that? <laughs> so good. So altered is brought to you by Lauren House. But I would love to hear about a moment that altered you, and that really brought you to your knees or elevated you to a new place, um, because those moments of being altered tend to set us on our path. So I'd just love to hear your story a bit. Thank you so much for asking. It's so fun to be here with you, Alexa. Anybody who's listening, Alexa is basically my favorite human being on planet Earth. So thank you for tuning into this wild wisdom channel and like beautiful, beautiful being. It's such a gift to to be close to you. And alteration moments, when you asked me, and of course, when you ask me questions, sometimes the answer registers differently than it does if somebody else asks me the question. But in this moment, like the alteration moment is my birth. I got here. And, you know, there have been many different alteration points throughout my experience on planet Earth in this iteration. And all of them related to that first one, right? And and how I am in my body or not in my body. And and the the beautiful challenge of of an, an invitation and delicious opportunity to have a body at all. Right? Like, yeah, I mean Hugo is really enjoying his body right now. Good job. This, good job. This look at this guy. Wow. Blessings. He's on every podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he's a character on the on the pod. Yeah. Sounds good. Oh, yeah. It's always he's always good. So yeah, I would say birth is the biggest alteration moment that I've had. I think just really getting honest about an eating disorder. And you know, the death of my sister, the death of my mother, psychedelics. I was absolutely late to the to the proverbial party. I, I was way too busy being skinny and good in high school and college, and in the years that immediately preceded my, you know, my my degrees, to to even think about psychoactive substances, much less take them. Like I was not doing that. And uh, when I had my first trip, my first journey, I just knew that would be a big part of the rest of my life. And yeah, uh, I, I pray for more alteration moments and, and moments that come within without the partnership of, of psychoactives, right? Like the whole of life is a psychedelic trip. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was your impetus to trying so- psychoactives for the first time yourself? Mm-hmm. Like what brought you to that space? Because I, I certainly remember mine. It was that my mom was dying and that I wanted to explore consciousness with her. Mm-hmm. What was your reason and what did you integrate from it? My first experience with psychoactives was with my brother, my dear brother, Steve, who we love Steve so big. And Steve had been journeying for some time. He told me about it and it sounded beautiful and profound and cleansing and healing and like everything I needed and wanted. And I was scared that it would make me gain weight. I was afraid that the drugs would make me fat and I fuck up my food plan, which was correct, correct. And and I and and I was just scared, right? I was just scared, and you know, my my fear took me down paths of perfectionism and anorexia and you know, a real inability to live my life, a real, real inability. And of course, my life was peppered with achievements, but I wasn't there to appreciate them. And and no amount of validation landed in, in me because I was in so much 
war with myself and ultimately trying to control what was well beyond me and suffering. So finally, like I, I, my, my, I kept saying, no, I kept saying I'm coming. And then I'm, no, I'm not coming. I'm coming. And no, I'm not coming. A lot of resistance I had. And then there was one time my brother and I had just gone back from a trip to Israel and he was going to go. And I just followed him around all day. I just followed him around and I followed him into the journey space. And in that first trip, like I had literally, and, and I have this often like biblical content present. And I had visions of uh, animals and caravans and people marching from my mind into uh, my heart and like a desert kind of biblical vision of that that return. I, I also had a real big psychedelic moment around Israel because at the time I was quite a, like a right-wing BB fan and Zionist. And I still am a Zionist, but my Zionism is inclusion. Uh, my, my, my understanding of that land is that there are many, many, many people that call it home and that should be able to live there in a good way. And it's complicated as fuck. But I, I, I had this really, really rigid perspectives around it that were blasted open in such a way that allowed me to really appreciate who else belongs and who else like should be able to live comfortably there. And, and in that way, uh, I, I've always considered our bodies land and our bodies as holy lands and, and, and who gets to live here, right? Like how, how are we, you know, democratically leading or, or tyrannically leading the, the disparate parts that make up our personalities? I, I'd like to welcome them all. So that was trip number one. And big deal. And big deal. <laughs> I'd love to touch a little bit on the body. Mm-hmm. Um, we both, for those of you who don't know, Lauren and I are like wildly intertwined in this beautiful, freakishly so, yeah, freakishly in, in like so. a pretty radical way. Um, we we have we're born one day apart. We're uh, we both um, suffered pretty gnarly eating disorders in college. Anorexia was our drug of choice. Uh, both of our mothers died at 72 of cancer. We just have a lot of alignments that have kind of taken us through life. Um, and so when I ask about like your body journey, not necessarily about like your eating disorder, but like, especially since doing the work that you're doing now. And since, you know, there are so many trials out of, mm-hmm. uh, everywhere from Johns Hopkins to NYU to Harvard, um, talking about treatment resistant anorexia, treatment resistant depression, and things like psilocybin or things like ketamine or things like uh, MDMA. Um, what have you seen for yourself mm-hmm. since partaking in these medicines? And what have you seen as far as some of your clients? Mm-hmm. It was, a mo- you know, one of the other many things that Alexa and I share is the love for Ramdas. Yes. And Ramdas sharing, right? We love Ramdas. He's literally, I mean, he also aligns with us, though, right? right. He's a therapist, right. Jewish, uh-huh. gay, uh-huh. and basically a gay man. Um, <laughs> In a really hot female body. <laughs> like, oh my God. Right, right. He's, he's mm-hmm. Yeah, he's our people. people. Mm-hmm. So continue. Well, Ramdas said that through all of his psychoactive experiencing and, and you know, when he became Ramdas after being a student of the Maharaji, he shared, you know, I'm, he's not enlightened. Like, I'm not enlightened. And I don't even have at all that as a goal. I, I, I do want to be awake in my body while I have this 
vessel, which is guaranteed to go, guaranteed to go. So I really want to live in it. Anyway, he said that in all of his experience, he never lost any of his neuroses, but he just changed the way in which he engaged with them. Right. This is, this is the thing. Yeah. This is like, this is the thing. Yeah. We don't want to get capsized. Like I don't want to eradicate. It's like, again, I want to welcome those parts in this, in this democratic land. Like, okay, how do I work with that part? It's here. Yes. I I often equate it to like, who's driving the car. Yeah. 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 Right. Like who's driving the car right now. Right. And back to like the inner child. Like if, if, if my inner child is driving my car, it's going to crash. Like they can't hit their feet. Don't hit the pedals. Like, no, 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 sweetheart. You're going to go on the passenger seat. I'm going to drive in safety belt Correct. and a child seat. That's right. In fact, That's right. you don't even get to control the radio. That's right. So for me, my thoughts and feelings around my sweet vessel are generally um, a little neurotic and, I, and, and, and a little dysphoric. And, and I've made outrageous progress. Like sometimes I look at my body and I'm like, dang. Dang, like, dang, I will make out with you. (gasps) And, you know, when stuff is coming up in my life, when I'm uncomfortable, I often go to food. I often go to, like, my form. It's like the scapegoat. Yeah. It's like the the punching bag. Yeah. And I know that this is wildly common. Right. I know the, the, the numbers are staggering. You know, you and I are both recovered anorexics. The, the anorexia as a mental, as a psychiatric condition is one of the most difficult to treat. It's one of the psychiatric conditions with the highest, highest rate of, of mortality and fatality. Uh, people generally don't get better. Like they generally don't. When they, when, once they've kind of hit a certain threshold. Now, that's not to say that they can't because they can and we have. Right. We have. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was in rehab, I was there with like a 60 year old woman and I was like, fuck me. Yeah. Like, I do not want to be doing this when I'm 60. Mm-hmm. Like I was like 24 or something. Like yeah. I was like, there's no way. No way. Right. Yeah. Totally. No way. No way. Yeah. It's a no. It's yeah. a no for me, dog. So for me, the psychoactive realms have supported deeper levels of comfort in my vessel have supported me in a being able to recognize the more uh, violent part of me that goes into harsh judgment and 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 even be an apology towards my thighs or culprit parts that I like to judge right I'm like oh you sweet juicy thighs and booty like I love you so much I'm so sorry there's also for me at least like such a recognition and we often throw this around kind of like confetti, like, oh, I am not my body. But it's a different thing. Yeah, right, right, right. And it's like a different thing to like know something in your mind than to like feel it in your body. Like maybe I maybe I am me, right? I am the isness. Yes. I'm I'm that. But like right now, yeah. like I'm doing the human thing. Yeah. And like I have this body. Yeah. And like I'm meant to work with it, but it's not meant to like control my life. Or be the barometer for your value based on how it's received or, or, you know, validated, right? Because we, A, I want to just name that beauty matters. And in a very different way that we culturally engage with beauty, right? Like the experience of beauty is really important. Like to, to look at a sunset, to marvel at, a flower. yeah, 
to appreciate feeling beautiful rather than beauty for consumption. My experiences with psychoactives, specifically, uh, you know, I would say heart medicines, MDMA, 3MMC, have really allowed me to to be in my body in a different way that I can then move forward tiny, tiny bits at a time. Uh, my experience with ayahuasca has revolutionized my relationship with my body and my levels of embodiment. And life is a lot, right? So it's a lot. And nobody's in their body all the time. It's not possible. It's too much. It's way too much. I mean, I'm preparing to go on a dieta in the Peruvian Amazon. She's so hardcore. I was Whoa. supposed to go and then you chickened out for a second. Mm. Because you wanted to. Schedule wise. Yeah. Now I'm going in January. Yes, 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 yes. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so excited. Okay, so so the dieta is something I've actually never done before. I ayahuasca is my main teacher medicine. It's where I really like get my my biggest downloads and uploads. And in yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have like sassy, sexy, playful visuals. In fact, Alexa has been an avatar for me in an ayahuasca journey. Like her, she's actually been the avatar. I've also had like a Jessica Rabbit style avatar or a squirrel that's in a leopard pants and <laughs> ponytail, <laughs> big eyelashes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so much. She was sassy. So much. So in the dieta, I will be drinking ayahuasca five times. And I will be in a little hut, little like tambo on my own. I'm not meant to be talking to anybody during these 10 days. It's a little Vipassana vibe. And then I'm drinking Bobinsana. So there's a master plant called Bobinsana, which grows near the rivers. It's like deep, deep roots. And I will be brought a lot of this plant to drink and to be in, in communion with. It's not a psychoactive plant, but it's said from what I understand, like four or five days and you're really going to start to understand the wisdom of this, this flower plant. So plant power. And I will be drinking this medicine, this plant, and I will be working with ayahuasca. Now, my experience of ayahuasca, as I'm preparing for the dieta, I'm like thinking about it. A, I'm thinking about like my okay, why? Why am I doing this? Why? Yeah, why are we doing this? Why are we doing any of this, right? And and I'm also thinking about my relationship with ayahuasca already. And it's the brew there that I'm drinking that I've been drinking over the last couple of years. So I, the, my body's going to recognize, well. correct. So my body's going to recognize this medicine when I, when I drink, which will be nice. She's a potent brew. Wow. I still vomit. I quiver, but yeah. in a way that turns me on a little bit, but also petrifies me. Like all of the above. Yeah. But I have this visual of, of this spirit plant grabbing me by the ponytail and like throwing me around and grabbing me by the shoulders and shaking me to to remove the deadness and the blockages and awaken me more now life is a body-based experience not a cognitive exercise we get to partner with our minds mind is not enemy or bad but when it hijacks the system we lose contact with form and I'm also quite excited. Tomorrow begins the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh means head. It's about higher consciousness. And I want to live in a higher consciousness in my body. Judaism also teaches that, unlike many other spiritual traditions that suggest abdication or asceticism, Judaism is about the elevation and sanctification of form. 
like to, to make sex spiritual, to make foods spiritual, to make how you dress spiritual. And, and that really resonates with me because I, I know I'm going to die. Like we're all hundred percent promised and guaranteed death. We are not promised or guaranteed a life. And I want to live mine. And I want to be in my body because that's how I do it. That's how we do it. Right. And so my experience with psychoactives to answer the question is, is that they have immensely supported me in befriending my body and in listening to my body and letting the dialogue go both, both ways. Right. Like, and then, and, and part of that has been a a big amends process. Like, again, I'm sorry. I've been, I've been very, very brutal. And and I'm not anymore. Like I'm 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 not anymore. I have like moments where it comes in. I'm like, ooh, what's going on there, Chaos? But it's so much better. And I feel really grateful because there is all of this research happening. I I, I'm consulting to a UCSF study on psilocybin for the treatment of anorexia nervosa, and I'm really jazzed about that. And, And I'm jazzed about like what's happening globally to research all of these different, you know, conditions and how they can be served and treated and uh, adjusted in all of these good ways for health and alignment and aliveness. I'd, I'd love to hear for people who are like, okay, great. I did mushrooms once in my grandmother's basement and I had like a terrible experience. Like what's the difference? Like, how is that going to treat my anorexia nervosa? Like, I would love for you to break down a little bit just for people who are new to yeah. this work. Mm-hmm. Like what, cultivates a meaningful experience mm-hmm. that is going to be life altering versus like doing it in a cabin in the woods and right. like seeing a cyclone. Like, I don't know. Thank you. Cyclone. Are- Sounds kind of fun. Cabin <laughs> in the woods and cyclones. So th- it's a really important question. I'm glad you're asking it. As I mentioned, I think the biggest drug on planet earth is, is, is life. You're tripping right now. Correct. Like the word psychedelic was coined in 1956 in a conversation between Aldous Huxley and uh, Humphrey Osmond. It's about mind expansion. So if some of this content is new for you, then the nature of it is psychedelic. You're not on anything but your ears. (laughs) So the how is immensely important. I love drugs. I know you do, too. Yeah, I do. Oh, they're so good. And I'm not cavalier about my engagement with psychoactive substances. I'm very particular. As I mentioned, I came to these realms very intentionally. So for somebody who may have been experimenting with something they got from a friend and and it's totally uncontained and unexpected, it can be really scary and overwhelming and destabilizing and unsafe. Right. So with, within the scope of healing or expanding or discovering with psychoactive substances and certainly within the realm of psychedelic assisted therapy, there's a number of elements that need attention in order to ensure uh, a healthy experience. Break it down. Number one, your mindset. Like, where are you? What are you holding? Like, what's alive inside of you? Are you, are you nervous? Which, by the way, if you're not nervous with these things, it's a little weird to me. It was a normal, like nervous is reverent, it's respect, but but it's like the mindset. What is your environment? It's the setting, right? 
And if you're at a festival, and I know many people have, have had spiritual experiences at festivals on drugs, and I'm not judging that. But if you're in an environment where the elements are less contained and you're a naive user, and by that I mean inexperienced, things can get dicey. Dose. How much are you taking? Right? And also, what are you taking? We are operating in a, an unregulated market, marketplace where these things are illegal. So part of the cultural mindset, back to number one, is that this is illegal. Like I could get in trouble. And so that often impacts a person's experience. Uh, so set setting dose and what I call the matrix, which is a, essentially is the system within which an individual is embedded, right? What kind of support do they have around them? You know, I have for my integration, you, I have my dad, I have my brother, I have my best friends. Uh, you're like my medicine, best friend, soul sister, everything. I have my therapist, like I have a community. I have, I have quite an extensive matrix. Now, if somebody has nobody, this is not a great idea. Mm-hmm. So again, set, setting dose in the matrix, main elements, but for me as a facilitator, I need to know who's who in your Zoom, where you're looking to go and grow. I'm never going to give someone medicine right away out the gate. No way, Jose. Because I need to feel safe, right? And I need my client to also feel safe. And like, okay, I love Lauren. I trust Lauren. Lauren's got me. Lauren's experienced, right? So people who are listening and who might be interested in this kind of uh, healing and this kind of experience, Make sure that you like the facilitator. Ask the questions. How experienced are they? Have How long have they been doing this? Are they trained? Like, find out about them. Because there's a lot of wounded healers out there, you know, and it's a classic archetype. But I am more interested in healed healers and people who are really, really on top of their stuff. Like, again, we're not expected to be perfect here, but there's a lot of abuse of power in in these spaces and places that needs to be considered. And and if there's something that's feeling off for you about someone like, yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm very much relationship forward in the ways in which I work. And I hold that the whole of our experience is psychedelic. Mm-hmm. When we're partnering with another medicine, essentially we're, we're making it a group, right? So if I'm facilitating for one person, if I'm doing like a ketamine session with one individual, we bring ketamine in, like it's a group, right? It's at least three of you. It's a, exactly, exactly. Ex- at least three. Because these psychoactive plants and compounds are explosive energies and they need to be considered really closely, like how they show up and how you show up with them. So I I really like to encourage people who are new to have a sitter with them, a facilitator with them, someone who knows more than they do, because these are really big things that can absolutely alter the rest of your life in ways that are both positive and not, right? Or, you know, challenging. I'll say too that if all of these elements are tended to and including in them from the facilitation perspective is medical propriety, right? To ensure that there isn't any contraindicated conditions for an individual, right? I'm just going to ask you about that. Things like bipolar. People with- I mean, bipolar is an interesting one because bipolar diagnosis, depending on like how it's presenting and how it shows up, it can people can can work with that. Right. Like if someone has... Totally. But, and it depends on what they want to take. Right. right? So there's a lot of elements, but we need to ensure that, that there isn't any contraindicated things. So once the medical propriety is there, set setting dose, the matrix is looked at and kind of protected. The relationship is established. There's safety, there's trust, there's care, there's connection. 
voila, let's go. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be a joy ride, right? Like, and by the way, a joy ride is often a breakthrough for people. You know, people sometimes are like, I got to be working, work, 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 work. And it's like sometimes they're just in a, in a puddle of giggles. And, and that might be a literal breakthrough for them. I've experienced it firsthand. Right. Absolutely. Like I had, we both, another commonalities, like we had to learn play yeah. and levity. We're good at work. With yeah. A, oh. With an O. Yeah. We, 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 I like to spell work with an E because all life is work. Yeah. And if we spell it with an O, it's way too serious. We know work. Okay. Oh, like work, 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 work. So <laughs> sometimes it's like the joyride is like deep work. Yeah. And sometimes content presents that's petrifying, that's hard, that's painful, that has you in all kinds of discomfort. And it's a difficult experience isn't a bad one. Right. And that's the, that's the point of differentiation. Correct. Because we associate, oh, wow, that was difficult. Therefore it was bad. Yeah. It's like, this is why like integration, 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 particularly with an expert like yourself who can like break it down because sometimes what we see in that space or what we feel or what we experience in that space, we go, whoa, that was really intense. I don't even know what to make of that. But as soon as you start to dissect it Mm -hmm. with an expert, with a clinician, I mean, they can help you just like turn it sideways a little Mm -hmm. bit. And you're like, oh, that's actually in perfect alignment with the set, with my mindset, with the setting of my intention, with, Mm -hmm. with the setting of the space, with whatever. And there's so much more to integrate. And then we're not just going, that was bad. We're going, oh, actually, that taught me so much. Yeah. And difficult content often presents so that it can be worked with and through, right? right? Like, exactly. Comes up to come out. And if the elements are accounted for, difficult isn't bad. Now, a bad trip is sort of this famous idea of a bad trip. Like, I do think you can have a really sort of quote unquote bad time if if you have not accounted for the variables. Maybe this is like actually contraindicated for your health. Maybe you don't know where you are. Maybe you're not cared for. Maybe you're left. Maybe the content is showing up and you're at a concert and like you've lost your friends and all of a sudden you think the some crazy thoughts and like it's dangerous, right? Like so those things can also be rescued and often at festivals and concerts, there's those exact moments like the Zendo project from maps or, you know, fireside project uh, that you can call or text and there's support for, for these kinds of moments. Thank God. And, you know, if it's in a therapeutic, very intentional setting with someone who knows how to manage it, like you're going to work through it much in in a way that's really actually very generative and useful. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So beautiful. Hugo, the snore is just like a little next bit. level. Sorry, it's a little bit much. Um, I feel I feel called to just we've kind of gone from like chai. Well, here's here's what brought it forward. So Matrix, yeah. I love this. First of all, you're fucking red genius, pill. red pill. But Matrix, I believe in Latin means mother. Mm. And it's like getting that support, like right? Like we're in the matrix. We're on planet mm. Earth. We're in this mother with mm. the like the, this constant creation that is evolving, just like the feminine, just like the mother. And Trippy. another place of alignment for us is uh, our mothers mm. and their journeys. And while they were different journeys, they they had a lot of um, 
And I really felt into this and experience that you helped facilitate um, when I did 5-MeO-DMT. Um, your mother was very present, mm-hmm. as my mother was as well, about the, the fear that they both lived in. And that fear, um, you know, we have the tendency in life to kind of go right or left but actually where it's coming from is the same. Mm-hmm. And my mother was a deeply overfunctioner, mm-hmm. like deep overfunctioning. And I think your mother is in certain ways like underfunctioned. Correct. And but they had the same feeling and sensation of fear that really drove the car of their life. Mm-hmm. I would love to just hear because I, I I know you've talked a lot. You you spoke at um was it the MAPS conference mm-hmm. about family and psychedelics, mm-hmm. just about your experience with your mother, mm-hmm. um, what you wished kind of could have happened for her um, and some of the lessons that you learned from her death, from her passing. Mm-hmm. Her dropping the body, as Rob mm-hmm. Austin said. Dropping the body. Yeah, she did that. She did uh, that, she did that about she eight did. years ago. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. I think in many ways, the most important relationship we ever have is with our mother. We're born like seeds inside of them. Our first you know, period of development is, is, within, is within their body, back to the body, right? were imprinted indelibly by their experiences, irrespective of whether or not we know them. And, you know, yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My mom was, at her essence, a, a spiritual, radical, beautiful, amazing, graceful, generous, plant loving, spirit loving woman. And she was funny. Her, her humor was never at anyone's expense. She was an incredible woman. And, and she was badly hurt like badly hurt many times, both in, uh, you know, sexual abuse contexts as a child and as an adult, multiple perpetrators in both. And also, you know, in, in the fields of religion and God, like she was fucked there too. Like she was really scared of, of hell and, um, really harmed and and she my mom in her spirituality and and in what was true for her had questions that like were not well answered by people and would get in trouble for asking right she was raised in communities that didn't really allow that and so she learned to shut up and she little girls learn about women from their mothers and little girls learn about men from their dads and little girls learn about relationships from their parents. And this is true for, for boys, too. And, and, and we can, uh, you know, go into, you know, different dimensions with, with all the, you know, gender presentations. But basically, we, we're learning the archetypal architecture of our beings and how we can show up and what's possible from mom and dad. I'd say that the greatest harm that my mother caused me, and it, and it was it was bad, was a failure to really love herself and a failure to really be in her own power. And a failure to like stand up to my dad when he was yelling, and I I really had to learn a lot about standing up for my life for myself on my own. And you know, my mom had a a child in her first marriage who my father adopted and uh, raised and. My sister died when I was 20. She's buried with my father's surname. She's a Taos. And, you know. I realized that he adopted her. Yeah. Yeah, because that first guy was the real piece of work. And, and of course, like, you know, throwing no shade on anyone in, in an in a, in a abusive context. But, you know, my mom married a, a really abusive man in, in her first marriage. And 
my father was certainly much, 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 much improved, but there was not such great dynamics between them. And, you know, we attract what we, what we believe we're worth in many ways. Like, and, and, and my mother was acclimated to this kind of treatment. So when my mom, when my sister was dying, my mom developed an opiate addiction um, and a really a very deep relationship with opiates. I have so much compassion for her. Like I, my, my mom, in the course of all, all of what she lived through, she presented with a lot of physical health conditions, including cancer twice, ultimately died of pancreatic cancer. She had a lot of, of physical conditions. The body keeps the score. The body will present like the body. If it cannot digest it, will will present it as disease, as disease, as sickness. And my mom was sick a lot. And then she started, you know, she, she got a lot of help. She got help that was both physical, medical, psychiatric, mental. And I believe that it all harmed her. I believe that it didn't help. And then when my sister was dying, she's got this opiate relationship, which for me pissed me off. And I had a lot of judgment around it. A lot. And, and, and for anyone who's listening, who might have a loved one involved in a process like that, I want to validate how painful it is and simultaneously invite an appreciation that like the person in who's engaged in the substance is doing their best and they're trying to find relief and they're, and, and they have nowhere else to go to get it. Right. And, and, and it's not easy. We all just want to feel okay. Yeah, we just want to. Doctor Wayne Dyer used to always say, "We want to feel good. We want to feel God." Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the the essence of that is like, "I want to feel connected. Mm-hmm. I want to feel God." But sometimes when we're in so much pain that's unprocessed, and like you were talking about, like she was seemingly re-traumatized by a lot of the work that she did. Like that's part of the problem with PTS. Like if you're not using, I mean, like the compounds that you work with in particular. Yeah like a disassociative medicine like ketamine that kind of like pulls you out of it like you're just re-traumatizing yourself so my experience witnessing my mother is that is that the treatment that she received caused more harm than good and and she received all all the time she received the the highest levels of care right right? and 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 a shout out to like western medicine because it's a wisdom tradition and thank god thank god i love western medicine but left alone unmarried to other wisdom traditions, it often causes more harm. So, and and this is also true for medical providers. Like the medical system is dehumanizing medical providers. And and it's not a surprise that some of the highest rates of addiction are in in doctors, uh, suicide as well. So I saw my mom be injured by treatment that she received. I know that my mother would have lived longer with MDMA specifically as as a treatment for her. Mm I know that my mother needed an experience of safety in her body that she never got. Right. And, you know, I, as I mentioned, like we're all born in our mamas and, and there's parts of our mamas that live on and in us and through us. And we're like little Russian dolls. So I have really had to learn to experience more safety in my body because I didn't get that code out the gate and patterning safety internally has been, work with an e with an e 
Not at first. <laughs> not at first. No, it started with a hard O. It was a big O. Yeah. And not like in a really fun kind of O way. No, no. And then it went to E. It went to E, right? And it's like, yeah. it's one of my neuroses that pops up. And I have to remind myself, like, Lauren, you're safe. You're safe. Same. You're safe. Yeah. And as safe as you can be because none we're, of us are. No. We're, Life isn't safe. We're going to no. die. But it's that, yeah, we're totally going to die. But it's also that moment of like going back to like the matrix of like, there's a web. Yeah of so much divinity that we cannot see there's so much more orchestrated and so much more going on than we can yeah. see with our so silly little ego which is yeah. the part of us that is so terrified mm-hmm. that it's like we are safe in our tremendous unsafety mm-hmm. at all times mm-hmm. yeah. it's like the- there for us it's all there for us anyway continue please Fact, like it's, it's it's there's something that's so I, I I believe in God with every fiber of my being, and like I understand God is not an entity. There's definitely like no entity, right? So I can't understand it. Like I know that I can't understand it. It's not for you to understand. No, no, no. It's not for me. Stand under. I love that. It's not for you to understand. No, it's not. It's like not. to stand under something and be like, oh, I get it. Yeah. No. It's not to be understood because it's constantly, it's also, it's like a total shapeshifter. Like God is everything. So it's constantly creating new things. Yes, 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 yes. I agree with you on, on your view. Thank you, thank you so much. I love God so much. Yes. Mm-hmm. So back to your mama. Mm-hmm. We were talking about MDMA and how that could have proliferated her life exponentially. What? You know, you and I both were present for our mothers at at the moment mm, of their transition. transition, their their dropping of the body. Um, what I remember, you told me something that I, I want you to share about this, and I think you already know what it is. I, I'd love for you to to share your experience of your mom dropping the body and what that was like for you, and and what you have integrated about that since. Hmm. It's one of the most stunning things to witness someone leave. There's undeniably, in my eyes, a moment in which my mother's spirit, the animating energetic force that was her essence that I also named earlier as this radical, badass, spiritual, beautiful woman, never mind woman, just this energy that leaves the body. And the body then is very clearly a shell. It's just matter. It's just a shell. And in the way of watching her leave her, her body, drop the body, I felt like I was giving birth. I felt like I birthed her in her dying to something completely unknown and known, right? There's an unknown and known into like the infinite data realm, which, you know, I, in our conversations, we've discussed how birth and death are probably very similar in how they feel. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that there is nothing like death to rattle a person into aliveness. Most people don't wake up until they are very close to the end right? I don't want to wait. And I don't want anyone to wait. I'm like, this experience is so worth it. It's so worth waking up for. And, you know, bearing my sister and my mom, 
and and watching the the transition of spirit out of form i'm like wow i want to be in this form i want to be in this form so i think that was one of the greatest gifts of witnessing is is uh, is this kind of whoa there's something that leads like i have no interest in going to my mother's graves zero like she's not there i kind of tripped out on that right myself tell me well i just had the same experience i was like like who cares like i'm like visiting this place where her shell is like i feel deteriorating like and and like when you think about that you're like wow that's like really revolting but like it doesn't make me feel connected to her i feel way more connected to her when i'm meditating or when i'm praying or when i'm in a medicine ceremony or or just in moments of joy she's not there in fact that's like probably the last place she would hang out for sure. For sure. Like, bye. Like, yeah. I'm going to go party. Yeah. I'm going to go dance. I'm going to go sing. I'm going to go, like, kiss my babies and, like, do all the things. Fly through but the clouds. Here. No, no, no. So I, 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 I've never, I mean, I've been maybe back to my mother's grave twice. Same. I don't think we've talked about that before. I don't think so either. Nice. What Shocking. You, yeah, I don't know. <gasps> what are you integrating right now like what's what's exciting for you right Mm. now in either your personal life Mm. personal oh thank you for asking well i i want to be balanced and name that i have also had the good fortune and blessing of inviting my father into the psychedelic realms and he's a a physician he's a western trained classical conservative jewish doctor from the bronx and uh, anyone who knows him pre-psychedelics knows how profoundly changed he is post completely a different individual it's it's, it's, he's different mm -hmm. he's proof that an old dog can learn new tricks if the god if the dog wants to learn and that it's never too late for change and, you know, any client I've ever met, myself included, has mommy-daddy issues. I certainly had issues with both of them. Most of them are resolved. Not all of them. The neuroses are not gone. And I welcome the opportunity to awaken more and more. But in the healing work that I've done with my dad and that my dad has done, he's really become, in the love that we share, the, the greatest love in some ways that I've known. And he's 79. And he has on his side and his lineage and ancestors, centenarians, the people who live into their hundreds, his mother, his great, his grandfather, God willing, my dad will follow in their steps. But he's also like 79 and he's got arthritis in his knees and he's got, uh, he says he doesn't have as sharp a memory and he has a bit of a tremor and, and, and he's aging. He's not 50, you know, he's like, the parts wear down and, and he's in a meditation around death and dying. And thanks to psychedelics is, is now with spirituality. He, he now has a belief that, that he's going to quote unquote, go to spirit space in his words. And still it's quite a confrontation and assault to the ego. And, and he's wrestling with that. And so it's been a wrestle for me because we're very close and we talk about it to just like really think about that. My father will, will die one day if all goes according to plan before me. Right. And how painful that will be. And, and, and so I'm in, in this sort of, Again, awareness of how promised death is and how life isn't. And 
how death is, is something that can really catalyze more aliveness uh, in, in its contrast and duality. Uh, and, and there's this real drive that I have to live. And, and I want to do things that are hard. Things that are maybe simple for some folks are hard for me, right? Like I was meditating the other day and praying as I do and aware of how much I love my patterns and my, yeah, I love my rituals. I love my people. And I could spend every day of my entire life with someone I love. And I really want a partner. Like I want to make out. I want I want to have sex, all kinds of it. I get a really juicy, deep playful way <laughs> at lauren dot tabs come come yeah don't 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 miss me please so i'm aware that that i want a cocoon because i like my cocoon i really like my cocoon it is and and how wonderful to like my cocoon it's a really wonderful thing. A lot of people like, you can't tolerate their cocoon. You used to not like No, I did. I love my cocoon. I love, I thank you. Yeah. Right. It's changed. And butterfly bitch. Like it's time to like, like, yeah, it's time for all kinds of different changes that I'm welcoming, that I'm, that I'm wanting to step into, that I'm wanting to quiver into, right? Like our, our, you know, the, 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 what is this? What we most desires in the cave we fear to enter the the magic is outside of your comfort zone like flap your wings and work this thing is not forever like go do it so i'm like tripping out you know back to death that's like life and death are just in this intimate forever dance and in any conversation or contemplation or even shift there is a death and a dying And, and 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 we have to die to new life died of like the new beginning of things and it's like back to the Rosh Hashanah and like higher consciousness and I want to move house and I want to go on dates and I want to like open myself to receive in ways that I haven't yet been available to do and my my work is is a, is a wild blessing and gift bless you I'm I'm I mean blessings I'm so grateful to do what I do and I feel like in this point my work is like my child I, I would welcome a child if that's in, in the cards and the right constellation of people and events. And at this point, I have a child in my work that shows me what to do. Like, it just tells me what to do. And, and I'm like, okay, let's go do that. And it, it's always expanding and, and it's exciting and fun and challenging and inspiring and hopeful and impactful. And in creating this job that I have, I'm aware that, that we can indeed live our dreams and we should, right? That we can like create things. And after I'm telling myself at the same time right now, like we can create the thing that we want and please do, right? Like, please do. And, and, and I, and I just want to name too, that the business of, of healing is intimate. Like the business of real healing is intimate. The work that I get to do in my like intimate quarters of myself and my heart with you, Alexa, is intimate. Like that, that's often like that. I, I don't want anyone else around, right? So, so the business of healing is intimate, cannot be scaled, right? The fact that I, I, less therapy, less therapy, please. I'm the therapist, right? I train therapists and this is my job. I love therapy, but I want for people to be able to get what they need in their relations without needing to hire and pay an alien who must remain an alien, 
right? Like th- there's the ethics that bind the, the type of interactions you can have. Of like I want to scale, and this is what I'm excited about too, education around emotion, which is our human mother tongue. And I want to scale education around communication. Yes, 93% of communication is nonverbal, according to Albert Morabian, who was a social scientist and studied this at USC. But use your words, 7%, right? When we shut up to keep the peace, we go to war. We start to disintegrate internally and the little kid's driving the car, right? So I'm excited to expand into these realms of education, both personally and and. For everyone, right? And and I really, 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 really want people to be creative about how they're thinking and, and how they're relating and, and how they're living. And I really want people to live. More life, please. My sweet sister. I love you so much. I think we need like 17 episodes together because it's already been a full hour. Wow. I usually do like 40 minutes. I think we're complete. I think we're complete for today. Let's have dinner. I think, yeah, I think we're going to have dinner. I think, I think we need to have you back. Oh, my back. honor. My pleasure. I love you. I love you. I love you. First of all, you have a training coming up. I sure do. I have a training coming up in Topanga. I am leading the Embodied Live Psychedelic Assisted Therapy and Integration Training. It is an intimate container. I think I have like two spots left. Uh, so if you are a clinician, I'm pretty stoked. But I, I'm a badass also because I have the wisdom to partner with people who know more than I, you being one of them. And and, and to like really only hang out with people that elevate you. Like only, like like forget about it. Like, yeah. like, like, like only hang out with people that are radical and inspiring and like motivate you to be a better you. That doesn't mean you can't be more excellent than certain people in certain ways, yeah. but like people should make you like more alive. Yes. So yeah. check out my training. Also, I have a retreat in Costa Rica, which you're going to be on. I'm going to be there. January. January 21st to the 28th at Holos. Uh, meet the abuelita. So, are we sitting three nights? Correct. Right. Oh my. I'm, I'm so excited. Right. I am so, so excited too. Oh my gosh. And then where can we find you on Instagram? At Lauren.taus, T A U S. And if you are interested in taking Lauren.taus on a date, feel free to DM. <gasps> or you can DM me. Yeah. And I'll field. DM you first. What, I'll what, figure what? it out. Right? Yeah. But Lauren Taus is available for dates. Yeah. Fun. Same. <laughs> guys thank you so much for being here taking the time out of your day to connect to get altered what a gift if you like this episode please do share it share it with someone who could benefit from it share it on social media we need to have these conversations we need to have free content that we can integrate into our lives so share it. It would mean so much to me and it will probably mean something to whoever you share it with. Uh, Again, if you haven't already, please do leave us a five-star review and a written review wherever you listen to this podcast. It will help us so much and you're the best. Thanks so much.